holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome to Across the Pond, a podcast by three Yanks warbling about European politics, because that's how we roll. I'm DJ McGuire, and I would be a Eurosceptic Tory, but I'm in Suffolk, Virginia. And I'm Greg Matuzak. I'm a self-admitted Corbinista from Cincinnati, Ohio. That's well. I'm glad to hear that you've been admitted somewhere. Are you getting the help you need, Greg? Oh, it's, um... it, it's uh, on on, uh, on Obamacare. It's of course I'm doing that. <laughs> and, and I'm Cliff Dunn. I am a uh, national conservative. I would almost assuredly be a Tory in Britain, but I'm also in Virginia. So this is our inaugural podcast, as you may have noticed, and uh, <laughs> we thought it would be a slow week. What oh my gosh! <laughs> oh boy! Formed, deformed, and now reformed again. Just today, um, uh, Five Star and uh, the League, formerly the Northern League, have agreed to put together a government, and Giuseppe Conte will be prime minister, but Mr. Savonora will not be economy minister. He will be the Europe minister. Oh, so okay. now he gets he gets plenty he gets plenty of opportunities to yell at Brussels' face about everything. Um, but at least but no, I don't think the president had this in mind when he said he didn't want him as finance minister because he was too eurosceptic. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I am quite certain that uh, that 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 President Mattarella did not want this man anywhere near the cabinet, <laughs> but he put his marker down and they just walked around it. The first thing is, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll throw this to Cliff. Do you think this new government can hold together? Uh, for at least a while, yes, as long as Mattarella doesn't turn around and veto it again, which I wouldn't be surprised by. Well, OK, yes. Uh, assuming Mattarella does not veto it and go back to Mr. Scissors, uh, how long do you th- how long do you think this government can last? I think they should be able to make it at least two years, honestly. I don't know if they can finish a full term. Ah. There are just enough differences, but I don't see them falling apart immediately. Okay, so if they can act, if they can actually go that far, uh, my next question, and now I'll throw this to Greg to get him in the conversation, is uh, how soon before, well, basically this new government can't borrow any more money, and we're back to back to the, uh, and we're back to the drama that we had with Greece in 2012 and 15. Right. Well, going back, the, the the Italian government has has collapsed or has been reformed. I was just reading about this the other day, like sixty four times in the past sixty years. Okay, which which is staggering because I'm trying to even our government, which is staggeringly inept, has not been reformed. What, maybe once, maybe twice. No, no, <laughs> never. But 64 times. So if you think that this one, which is terrible to begin with, um, is going to last two years, oh, oh. Okay, uh, hang, yeah. hang, hang on, Greg. What, what makes you, what, 
what makes you think this government is terrible? Can you expand on that, please? Okay, when when you have when you have what was it? Lincoln's party of rivals. That was a great idea because they all were going for sort of the same idea that they wanted a nation to blossom under similar freedoms and thoughts and blah blah blah. This is a party that you have you have a uh, you actually have five parties that are working together in Italy this time. Okay, um, and by the way, the League is a terrible name for a political party. The League should be a name for like a TV show about a <laughs> about a football <laughs> league or something like that. Well, I mean, uh, uh, well uh, you've got to admit that. Uh, Oddly enough, I believe I believe the the soccer league in Italy or the football league as they call it there is simply known as La Liga, which right. is actually oh, the same it. name now as the league. Right, and um, that's probably why I people vote. As I understand for it, Greg, they're yeah. As I understand it, Greg, it's only five star, and the league. the The other parties are not involved in this. It's no. just Carlos, two of them. Really, Berlusconi's party's not involved, and uh, Brothers of Italy doesn't seem to be either. Really, right. I thought it's I thought they just had the majority of votes. Oh, so it's only those two. Those are it's the, only those two. These are two populist parties, and we have seen where populist parties are getting us, not only in Europe, but here, here in America. Um, it's not helping. They're anti-immigration. They're sweeping reforms in the wrong way. They're, they have no forward thinking. Um, they, they want immediate results. Uh, I hate to use the word tea party. Oh, wait, I'll use the word tea party. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, populism has been the downfall of everything from, well, uh, what's the word? The, like states like Kansas to um, uh, countries like Spain um, or Greece. Sure. Um, and well, we're well, We'll, we'll, we'll get to Spain in a minute because okay. Spain is having their own problems. I know. Um, but I, I have to say that you know, in, 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 defense of, of the pe- in defense of the people of Italy here, uh, for one, this, these were two parties that were not really expected to go in a coalition together in the first place. The League was part of Silvio Berlusconi's center-right coalition until they, were, they broke free after the election. But the other thing is, as— Whatever one thought of the Obama administration, it is not the European Union. The European Union and the folks in Brussels, I mean, this is, I'm not really sure if Joss Whedon had the European Union in mind when he created the Alliance and Firefly, but I'm pretty- I think the European Union might've had the Alliance in mind. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) The European Union clearly looked at Firefly and went, the purple bellies are the perfect form of government for us to use. No, they're not. They piss people off. And they yeah. piss people off all over Southern Europe for over a decade. And this is not this is not the first time this has happened that's this has happened to that to Brussels. It's just the latest time this has happened. They could mess around with Greece because Greece was small. I'm not sure they can really mess around with Italy that much. No, Cliff, no. what do you and, think? No, I, I think Italy is too big and if if Italy were to leave the euro or the European Union, it would it has the serious potential to bring the whole thing crashing down. And you know, part of the problem here is that Italy, um, you know, all these countries were basically given that diktat a couple of years ago about you will take these migrants. Um, and lo and behold, the voters didn't like being told you will. One thing that's been interesting to watch is that at this point, if you take the old Cold War line, you know, the East-West line, and then you add Austria and Italy to it, everywhere east of there is going through a fairly similar revolt. 
Well, that 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 would take out Great Britain, which actually voted to leave the European Union. So I'm not really sure that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty <laughs> everything east. Yeah, I mean. That, yeah, I mean, there there the the Visegrad group in eastern in Eastern Europe has been has been a bit annoying to Brussels and have have said some things. That is true, but I'm not. I I'm. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that geographic assertion is quite as strong uh, as as you would make it out to be, Greg Cliff. Sorry, <laughs> Cliff. Yeah, we we look very similar, but no. Yeah, um, I'm sure you do. But yeah, speak. Like, speak. Go, go ahead. Like you go said, ahead, um, Italy is the third largest economy, if I'm correct. It's not Greece. You are. Um, For once. <laughs> I know. I couldn't help myself. I know a little bit about Italy. Um, uh, my my family is from Italy. I got married in Italy. I love Italy. Italy is probably one of my favorite places in the world. It's an amazing place. It it's is. beautiful. It is. You should take one of those tours. Um, uh, don't 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 say it's an amazing place, Cliff. I'm binge watching Agents of Shield right now. That's just not going to work. <laughs> You're right. If that goes, the whole house of cards goes. Um, and what, so look, Kevin Spacey leaves Europe. Well, hang on. <laughs> we'll we'll put Kevin Spacey to to to, to one side. We're going to put a lot of things to one side on this podcast because for some reason that's a phrase I like. But do do either of you really think Italy is going to be leaving the eurozone as a result of this government being in place? No. I mean, are they really going to be able to pull that off? No. No. Short term, no. Long term, question mark. Oh, I no. think it is. I you... think the failure of the eurozone is an increasing threat because you've got multiple countries. It's not just Italy, and it's not just Greece as well. Who, uh, let's just say that the fiscal diktats from from Berlin and Brussels aren't playing well with, in Peoria. True. Then that that is true. Uh, whether, so it may be a case not... of the euro survives, but it's not the euro as we know it. Um, Actually, here's a serious question, DJ and Greg. What would be the impact if you ended up with a far more inflationary uh, fiscal policy in Europe in general? I think you would see uh, – well, I think you would see Alternative for Deutschland actually winning a German election. Uh, I, I don't think Teutonic Europe would handle an inflationary euro, which is ironic because it was – the euro is actually more inflationary than the Deutsche Mark was, and that's the reason – I think that's the reason the German elite went along with it because the euro essentially allowed them to engage in inflationary monetary economics without telling the German people that's what they were doing, um, which is to say the German leadership pulled a fast one on the German people. Uh, if the German people ever find that out, uh, there will be hell to pay in Germany, and your scenario, Cliff, of – a deliberately inflationary euro could very well create that stage where the German people look around and go, wait a minute, this is not what we were told. This is not what we were promised. What the hell is happening? You mean like all these other countries have been having with the euro in Europe? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. the, the, the euro was sold as, as a currency that would work for everybody. And it, it clearly is not a currency that works for everybody. It never has been. But... We are now seeing, for now, it is a currency that works for Germany, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. If it becomes a currency that works for Italy and Portugal and Greece, 
you know, Teutonic Europe is not Teutonic Europe will not have that, and I'm not sure how they're going to react. <coughs> so, speaking of speaking of Southern European countries with a problem, we shift from Italy to Spain, where Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy found out this afternoon, our time, that he will not be Prime Minister by this time tomorrow as the Catalonia and Basque nationalist parties announced that they would support, not only would they support a no-confidence motion against Rajoy, which is not really a surprise, but that they would actually support putting socialist... Um, actually, I don't have the guy's name, so maybe I should actually look to find the guy's name. Pedro first. Sanchez? Pedro Sanchez, yeah. thank you. That they would vote to install Pedro Sanchez, the leader of the socialists, as the new prime minister. So there will not be an election in Spain, which is too bad because elections in Spain are lots of fun. They're a mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I like messy elections. They are fun. You can get lots of jokes out of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I some, sound... some, some of those jokes even get elected once in a while. Indeed they, indeed they do. <laughs> indeed they do. Uh, but there will not be an election in Spain. Uh, Pedro Sanchez will be the new prime minister. Uh, so I'm going to ask you again, Cliff, because I asked you with Italy. Uh, this is a government of the uh, – this is the socialists, Podemos, which is to the socialist left, and the Catalonia and Basque nationalists, as Catalonia is still trying to apparently declare its independence from Spain. So assuming Mr. Sanchez actually does take office, and as I understand it, even even if uh, Mariano Rajoy would try to resign, that would not be enough. Parliament could still install Sanchez. How long does that government last? I give this one less than a year. The budget negotiations will be interesting. <laughs> I will, I will, I will disagree. Just, just because I'm feeling con like contrarian today, or like usual. <laughs> but I will give this government more time than the Italian government. I will say that. Um, yeah, that, that that's a pretty low bar, Greg. I know. <laughs> That wasn't difficult, but sure. I mean, let's, I mean the, 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 la not? the last Italian government was quite literally stillborn. <laughs> Ow. Well, it was. Well, <laughs> let's face it. Um, but no, I, I honestly think that this one, I have, I have hope and faith in the good people of Spain. Um, I mean, wait, you're really telling me that you think a government can survive that is dependent upon not one, but two separatist regional parties in order to govern yes i do actually when they have when they are when they install a socialist they are just running on good feelings and thoughts <laughs> and you know when they elected bernie sanders wait sorry did i get the wrong guy again when they elected the i think you got the wrong universe sorry okay i i i'm pretty sure i've only had one beer not six so i don't really know where bernie sanders came into he's, this he's our socialist he's our socialist <laughs> Um, but the but the fact of the matter is, I mean the the last I have seen, I have seen separatists attempt to prop up governments twice. We saw it in Quebec in two thousand and eight, and it completely fell apart before it started. And not only that, but the conservatives ran on an anti-separatist platform and actually won a majority in two thousand eleven right after the next election after that happened in Canada, the only time in 30 years the Conservatives have won a majority. And we saw in Great Britain in 2015 when the, S the Scottish Nationalists talked about 
propping up labor. Um, the conservatives talked about that all over England and Wales, uh, mostly England. And as a result, the conservatives won their only majority in 25 years. So, I mean, yes, the they'll get, have a government by Friday, but Spain has to have elections by 2020 at at the latest. So it's not going to go more than two years. Two and years, I, right? But two years is longer than we thought that the Italian government will last. Well, Cliff thinks it'll last two years. You and I don't. So I know. Okay, no, no there's no way. <laughs> but I mean, w- w- how does this government respond to the next? Catalan independence referendum. What does this government do? I have no idea. That one I'm speechless on. You know, I, oh, okay. honestly, I honestly, even <laughs> I have no idea how they're going to respond okay. to that one. That's a because. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I I can't see them. I can't see them risking. I can't see them risking letting Catalonia go. They'll never no. get real. They'll never get reelected. It'll be it'll it'll be the end of the Socialist Party. That'll be the last we ever see of them. But um, Podemos won't mind. They'll just replace the socialists. Right. But I, I don't see it. I mean, Cliff, well, Cliff, but, could well, you see this government surviving if Catal if Catalonia actually leaves, assuming uh, they do? I, I'm trying to think where 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 the MPs are from and what that parliament would look like. Because you know you'd immediately drop a bunch of MPs from Barcelona. Um, and I don't remember enough about the distribution. Uh, that being said, here's the thing: if this government lets Catalonia go, Podemos is going to have their hand hand caught in the cookie jar as well on that. And I think no matter what happens, by the way, these that citizens will be forming the next government. Uh, yes, the Citizens Party. I agree with you there. This is this is for them. This is perfect. Uh, they get to they get rid of Mariano Rajoy. They get rid of the Popular Party. Which has some various. I mean, let let's face it. The one thing we haven't mentioned is the fact that the popular that about I think what about sixty popular party figures are have been convicted of corru- of of corruption and the corruption scandal going on around there. Yes, so, and, and I've been watching the polls, and I think it's fair to say that the popular party isn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It's very <laughs> badly named. <laughs> yes. Yes. A, a poor name for the party. They may may need to rename themselves the unpopular party. Um, but yeah, for for citizens, this is perfect. Rajoy is out of the way. Their hands are clean. They don't have to be blamed for anything that the Sanchez government does. And then come twenty twenty, they can just they can look around and go, "You had enough yet? Ready for something <laughs> new? Here we are." <laughs> yeah, so. hope and change. <laughs> open change. Open change. Well, there, duck and cover. Duck open change and duck and cover. Well, there was there was quite a lot of change and ducking and covering uh, after this past Friday when Ireland voted by referendum to re to repeal the Amendment Eight to its constitution, which was the essentially the pro life amendment, the one that effectively uh, banned abortion. Uh, in Ireland. That amendment is now gone. It's been repealed. Uh, the Irish Parliament is now trying to figure out what uh, what abortion law will replace it. Um, from what I hear, and Cliff and Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, the main discussion is to have it legal up to 12 weeks and then various restrictions in place. Does that sound right to that either of you? That sounds about right to that, me. That, I think. that sounds about like what the white paper said. Right. And, and yeah. yeah. That, that's what I meant. That's in terms of what we think they will do. The interesting part is this now means that the 
that the most restrictive abortion law in Europe is actually in Northern Ireland because abortion is called a devolved issue over there and that West and that the national government of Great Britain doesn't decide policy on that now. It's the various provinces, England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. And in Northern Ireland, abortion is very much restricted and largely illegal. Uh, no, there it's, is... it's, it's almost completely illegal. Right. I mean, even in cases of rape, incest, um, the only time it is uh, legally permissible is in case of um, the mother's life is in danger. Um, right. But any other... You're not going to have it. Um, the, so you will see a last in, what was it, in 2016, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women would travel overseas to uh, either England or to um, uh, Europe to have abortions. And that was, you know, once again, if you could afford it, you could have abortions from Northern Ireland. It became a, you know, a monetary issue. So, but go on, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. Um, what I find curious is the big, the machinations that are going on uh, in Westminster. One, because, again, Northern Ireland doesn't have a government, folks, and they, they haven't had a government in about a year and a half, or almost a year and a half, yeah. ever since the, um, the, the, Darlene, the Arlene Foster government fell apart. Over the uh, at the the, and I, I love the way the British do their scandals. It was a it was a heating, it was sort of a, a a home heating scandal, a heating fuel scandal, which the British press the British press turned into the ash for cash scandal. <laughs> what a fabulous name! It's, it's 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 as if they write for a living. Um. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but Nor Northern Ireland doesn't have a government, so the the assembly there can't actually do anything. Um, and the government in Westminster under Prime Minister Theresa May has basically a large British. Obviously, you know, most folks in Britain would rather abortion be liberalized in Northern Ireland. But she is reliant on the pro-life party in Northern Ireland, the Democratic Unionists, to keep her in power because she doesn't have a majority. She lost that last year. Um, it's it's a perfect clusterfuck. Oh, <laughs> Just, oh, there's no better way to describe it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's for those American listeners. It's as if she has a small base that she is now going to play to with an unpopular view, huh? <laughs> Once again, it's it sounds like something we have here, and now she'll do something kind of relatively shitty. Um, hmm. Well, she she won't actually do anything. I know, and I mean, that's the worst. There isn't part. anything she can do. Well, no, uh, because this is the, this this is a devolved power. This is something under the devolution agreements. This is something that the provincial governments handle. You know, if if she if. The, if she were to allow Parliament to liberalize abortion in Northern Ireland, then she's essentially going back to direct rule. And the interesting thing that I would say, and Cliff, maybe you can weigh in on this. I don't think so, and that's because there's a very good chance that the next British government would end up reliant on the SNP for support in some fashion, and I don't think they would want to run the risk of something like that. Okay, fair enough. So then um, we'll just add just quick question to both of you. Um, the uh, scale of one to ten, the
the odds of any change in the Northern Ireland abortion law. Greg? I think that Italy's government will la- not last as long. There. <laughs> well, we're doing that still, aren't we? No. Okay. I think, I think that it will not change for quite a bit. There we okay. Go. Cliff? I tend to agree that it won't change. I'd give it a one or a two at most. Okay. Yeah. Well, one thing, one other thing that is changing is in Denmark, where the parliament passed a burqa ban. Uh, Denmark has Denmark's parliament voted to ban the burqa, and I think they also voted to ban the niqab. Uh, Greg, you've done some quick research on this. Can you let our listeners know? What a the difference between a burqa, a niqab, a a hajib, and everything else? Uh, I knew you'd ask me about that. So uh, a burqa is actually the full uh, covering. It is a is a is the veil that covers the entire body and face. And this one has the mesh window or the grill across the face. Okay, but the niqab has is the uh, veil covering the head, but it's not usually the eyes. So that's the difference. Um, and I did not know that, but culturally we should know the difference. So, um, and then the hijab is just the, uh, the veil, but it's the headscarf. Okay. Right. So, so yeah. Okay. Very good. Now, yeah. what I found interesting was that this is as, as bizarre as this is, at least to me, uh, Dan- Denmark is not the first country in Europe to do this. France, yeah. Belgium, and Bulgaria also have this. Uh, Norway partially, uh, uh, Switzerland uh, partially, uh, and in fact, it was one of the things I one of the things I found interesting about this was that the the Christian Democratic parties all over the continent, or they're known as the European People's Party, basically put this have put this all in their platform, and that they apparently want a burqa ban, which means that the British Conservatives, which want nothing to do with this, um, despite all the 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 having been castigated by the EPP as a bunch of right-wing yahoos because of Brexit, are actually more liberal when it comes to this issue than most of the EPP. Um, Cliff, you know, the EPP has been... Christian Democrats and people's parties on the continent have been dealing with various issues to their right in general. Uh, Do you think this kind of thing will actually solve their problem, or will it just feed the beast uh, that will devour them? Uh, define solve the problem. Uh, uh, well, from, from the European, from the from the center right on the continent, solve the problem means no more right wing, no more hard right wing parties to steal their votes. Uh, no, it's not going to solve the problem. And I, and in fact, I'm increasingly thinking that the Christian Democrats in Europe are about to be devoured whole. Okay, oh, that would be that would be lovely. But you know, the problem I have <laughs> with this uh, with this burqa ban is the way it's been. Um, unloaded and or because I think it's it's just it's just rotten and if if anyone wants to say there's it's rotten in Denmark go right ahead <laughs> I knew you'd like that cliff um because it's being unloaded as this is this is something to protect women and to stop the oppression of women and you know it's for security issues and but the, and then they stress that this has nothing to do with religious persecution. But by the way, it's only for certain religions and certain beliefs. But by the way, it has nothing to do with religious persecution. It's all about uh, not oppressing women, which. Oh, well, wasn't the law phrased as a, t- a total ban on face coverings you know, of this broad nature, which would also include 
uh, ski masks, etc. Wasn't it more broadly uh, construed as written? So, something like that. No, they, I don't they... think so because I can't imagine people in Denmark saying that you couldn't wear a ski mask. I I, I think it literally said um, the way I read it was um, any oppressive you know garb like this. Um, yeah, it's it, it was it, it's, such. It's... What's what's the da- hold on for a second? Let me see. Hey Siri, what's the Danish word for bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. translate into French, German, Italian, Mandarin, Chinese, and Spanish. All right. Thanks, da- thanks, Siri. Um, yeah, it was such Danish bullshit. Um, uh, that's the least, <laughs> least terrible thing I want for breakfast, by the way. Um, it was terrible. Um, and the way they phrased it was horrible. So, yeah, the, the, uh, the liberal here is even like... No, no, of course, obviously, I'm gonna be saying shit like this. So, and I'm yeah, swearing I, I, more. So, I gotta stop that. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I. This is. Uh, yeah, I. I actually agree with Cliff here. This is not something that's going to appease folks like uh, the Danish People's Party or the Swedish Democrats or or Alternative for Deutschland in Germany. This is just. This is not the kind of thing that they're looking for. Um, it's the, a symbolic you know, gesture. Right, it's a symbolic gesture, uh, the, and frankly, you know, the frankly, the co- continental Europe center right thrives on symbolic gestures without doing anything. Uh, it's been really their stock and trade for what thirty, forty years, Cliff. Yes, and I, I think what's what, we, what we've been seeing with the rise of the I'll just say the nationalist right or the hard right is that there's another symbolic gesture that's being given to them, and it involves one finger. Well, actually, I think it's two fingers. Yeah, uh, good point. This is Britain we're talking about. This is about. Britain. We're right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Britain, it's two fingers. On the continent, maybe it's one finger. But yes, absolutely. Uh, and it, it as th- this is, of course, the same. It is actually a center-right government that is in charge in Denmark. And this is the same center-right government that, if memory served, attempted to ban butter before they got thrown out of office the last time uh, by Neil Kinnock's daughter-in-law. So I can imagine if Neil Kinnock's daughter-in-law is still around— uh, she is simply biding her time and waiting until she can become prime minister again, and sit next to and sit next to uh, Barack Obama at the next major funeral. Uh, well, and this is also the same government that, when I was in Europe last year, uh, had had agents going through the train checking papers. Oh, right. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no. So once the, I think. We're, we're we're I think we're all in agreement. Thumbs down on Denmark's symbolic gestures. Um, that leads us to let's see how much time we have. Um, well, we have to make a brief mention of this because normally you'd figure on a European on a podcast about European politics, we would avoid at least mentioning Donald Trump. That would at least be worth you good listeners sitting through this here and hopefully not falling asleep because we're boring you to death. But sadly, no. Even this week, Donald Trump still managed to show up in a European podcast because this afternoon he hits the European Union with those steel and aluminum tariffs he's been threatening for the past two or three months. Um, for those of you who've listened to Greg and myself and and Cliff on the More Perfect Union, um, you know that you know Greg and I think this is utterly ridiculous. I think this is even more ridiculous. Um, but sadly, Europe is responding the way – you would expect them to with their own tariffs, which I don't think is wise. But when when you basically make Jean-Claude Juncker sound like he's reasonably intelligent, you're doing <laughs> it wrong. 
And that's what and that's what Trump steel tariffs have done. I actually read something Jean-Claude Juncker said, and I said, yeah, I agree with that. What the fuck happened? It's the end of the world. So do you think a trade war is coming between the EU, EU and and um, no, I think it's I, I, I think it's already started. You think it started? I've already I've, I've already declared conscientious objector status. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to I would say, are you going to Canada? But I think they're involved. No, can, the, the tariffs included Canada and Mexico, too. So there there, there is no escape. Yeah, I, I don't know what's what they're trying. I don't know what Trump is trying to gain by slapping these on Europe. I mean, at least with, you know, China and so forth, you can make a dumping case here. I don't know where it's coming from. Oh, there. there if, if this had been solely relegated to China, it would be a matter of, OK, I'm not sure I agree with it, but I can understand the argument. I think there are better ways to deal with uh, the Chinese Communist Party putting a thumb on the scales all over the global economy. But at least I would understand, okay, this is not the tool I would have used, but at least it's a tool that makes sense. But he's using a national security he's using a national security law to impose tariffs on our allies. I mean, most of the EU is in NATO. Canada is in NATO. Mexico is very friendly. I don't get what the hell he's doing. <laughs> did uh, did either of you guys see um, Dan O'Sullivan, who coolest guy in the world? He's the uh, EU ambassador to the U.S. He hit all the news programs today, and he was asked about this trade war. And they were like, are you guys ready for a trade war? And he goes, well, I don't really see this as a trade war yet. I see this more of as a trade skirmish. And uh, he's... <laughs> He goes, right now, this is just, you know, and we're just defending ourselves. And right now, and then he's like, it sounds like a trade war. And he's like, no, 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 maybe a trade escalation. And he kept saying it. He was so polite and so nice. And, and I was just like, oh, I think he we're going to be He sounds almost Canadian. Friends. Oh, he was. Oh, he was, <laughs> it was just so nice. Um, yeah, did, yeah. Did, 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 he, did he say what products would be on the trade picket lines? Um well, he all I know is that he kept saying um, aluminum. No, aluminum. I don't know. He said aluminum. Very funny, and I kept giggling. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then he lost me. So funny, funny, funny aluminum. Funny aluminum. Aluminum. Indeed. Um, uh, funny aluminum. Aluminum. And, and finally, to something that something that is, I would not consider it funny, but a lot of people do, and it is an interesting way to make light of things. A journalist from the Ukraine who has uh, Arkady Babchenko, who has written a number of critical things about Vladimir Putin's regime, um, decided real came to the conclusion that his life was at risk, and he decided the best way to the best way to save to save his life was to die. Oh, that makes no. Sense. I actually mean that. He, <laughs> let me let me hang on. That's all right. He he faked his own death to flush out a Russian conspiracy to kill him. I'm sorry, that's badass. That is so cool. He and he actually he 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 actually pulled the pulled the lid off of this by walking in on his own on the on the press conference from Ukrainian authorities condemning his murder. He actually walked in on the press conference. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I, I, I was like, I, oh, sorry, okay. I'm actually alive. For the record, um, for the record, I, I, I bet he came in and he had like explosions in the background and there were doves and he's like took off his sunglasses <laughs> and he's like, he goes, I'm back. Do boom, da da da. And he had like some sort of awesome guitar solo. That's how I would have done it. Yeah, and apparently the uh, authorities said that he was not not only successful in avoiding being assassinated, they were able to arrest one of the uh, ac- people actually trying to kill him in the process. Right. He's like oh, yeah. Daredevil. He's it, awesome. It, 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 it was a su- it was a successful sting operation, and good for him. Um, it's just it it one it says something about the state of play in Eastern Europe that journalists critical of Vladimir Putin have to have to fake their own death to find their killers. Uh, and two, yes, it is an absolutely badass reaction. Oh my god! Because we can all we can all sit there and we we let let's all take a moment though for the Federation Security Bureau official who now is taking an eraser to that check mark he put on the list and hoping that the report doesn't get the Vladimir Putin <laughs> incorrect. It's like. I really want to recall this email <laughs> that says we got this guy because we didn't get this guy. I'm 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 sorry. I'm just still in awe that this guy was like, oh, I'll just fake my own death. I'll find this this corrupt ring. Blah blah blah. I'll I'll confront them at my press conference. I mean, I just can't see any American. I mean, and and like okay let let me take the person who i disagree with the most this week like ben shapiro like ben shapiro going i'll get those guys i'll fake my own death and and avenge them that's how i think he talks in my voice in my mind <laughs> um and then him going like okay i'll drop the hammer on them no no he doesn't do that he, he he'd lawyer up and he'd probably be like take my wife and kids um, I'm I'm am actually take my re- wife please. Yeah. Take my wife please. I'm actually reading what he said. He said, "Quote: Once the gates of the morgue closed behind me, I was resurrected." And it says afterwards, he said he washed off the pig's blood, which he used for the he washed off the pig's blood and watched news coverage of quote what a great guy I had been. What an awesome! <laughs> he's so awesome. Okay. Can you imagine sitting back, kicking a beer, and watching everybody tell you what a great what a great person you were before you died? I'm sorry, he goes in my crush book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I definitely have a man crush on this guy now. I mean, I have no problem saying that. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, he's he's the coolest. I mean, tell me he plays like electric guitar and he like he he rescues puppies and he he like. Does meals on wheels and then like shit. There we go. That that is a serious man crush, Greg. That is. Okay. I know. <laughs> I know. He... All right. Well, with well, with that, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you all so much for listening to our inaugural uh, podcast. Uh, we will be uh, this will be put up on the uh, More Perfect Union podcast website. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag MPU Podcast and at Facebook at facebook.com slash more perfect union podcast share our link on your facebook timeline so your friends can listen to us as well particularly the ones who actually like european politics or or frankly who like my jokes wait nobody likes my jokes so never mind uh and uh, once again thank you so very much and have a good one now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the dominion energy reliability investment 
Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!